grab your Bible, go with me to the book of Exodus chapter number 28. The book of Exodus chapter number 28. I'm going to teach just for a few minutes and then we'll pray and we will let you go. But we started a new series last week called Roots and Wings. Everybody say that with me. Roots. Say it. Roots and Wings. I want to read a couple of verses to you and then we're going to teach out of it. And again, I promise I'll get you home in time for the Super Bowl. You know, we actually almost, when we got ready to launch the church, we almost launched it on this day, on February the 4th. And uh, then when I, when I looked at the calendar a little bit deeper, I mean, we had planned it. We had put it on stuff. We had told people we're launching February the 4th. That's the day. That's, that's D-Day. That's when it's all going down. And then when I looked at the calendar a little bit deeper, I saw that it was Super Bowl Sunday. And I thought, that's not a good idea. Because did you know, in America, the lowest crime rate day is Super Bowl Sunday? Because even the criminals want to watch the game, all right? So they wouldn't, no doubt, that church people wouldn't come into a new church on Super Bowl Sunday. So we backed it up a couple of weeks. Grab your Bible, go with me, the book of Exodus, chapter number 28. Now, this morning, I'm probably going to hurt your feelings a little bit. I'm reading a little bit out of the old school. I'm reading the King James Bible. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. I'm reading out of the King James Bible. You can just follow along in whatever translation you got. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's totally fine. We'll put it up here on the screen. But I'm going to read a couple of passages out of Exodus, and then we might, we might find our way to 2 Kings in a little bit. We'll see. Exodus chapter number 28 and verse 1. And take unto you Aaron your brother, God speaking to Moses, take Aaron your brother and his sons, take Aaron and his sons with him from among the children of Israel that he may minister unto me in the priest office. Even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. Now, I thought people today named their kids weird names, but that's the next level. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Everybody shout the next two words. Aaron's sons. Y'all must not know how we get down at Hope Unlimited. We don't go, Aaron's sons. So everybody say, Aaron's sons. There we go. And thou shalt make holy garments... For Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. And you shall speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I feel with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, an embroidered coat, a miter, and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Flip over one page to chapter number 29. Exodus 29, we're going to start reading with verse number 4. And Aaron and his sons, Aaron and his sons, you shall bring into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and you shall wash them with water. <clears throat> and you shall take the garments and put upon Aaron the coat, the robe of the ephod, the ephod, the breastplate, gird him with the curious girdle. I've always thought that was an interesting name, the curious girdle. <laughs> Makes me curious. With the curious girdle of the ephod. And you shall put the mitre upon his head and put the holy crown upon the mitre. Watch verse 7. Then you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head 
and you will anoint him, being Aaron. And then you will bring his sons and put coats upon them, and you shall gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons, put the bonnets on them, the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, and you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. Look at verse 29 of the same chapter. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him. The holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed therein and to be consecrated in them. And that son that is priest in his stead shall put them on seven days when he comes to the tabernacle of the congregation to minister in the holy place. Amen. All right, we'll quit reading for just a second. And I know you're thinking, what in the world is that text even talking about? I'm going to explain it to you. Now, let me say this to you before we get good and started. We cannot claim God's promises while at the same time violating God's principles. We cannot claim God's promises while at the same time violating God's principles. For example, you can't be walking around claiming prosperity when you violate the principle of tithing. Ain't nobody saying amen. All right. You can't walk around claiming the promise of a healthy marriage when you violate the principle of loving your wife as Christ loved the church. You cannot claim his promises while at the same time violating his principles. God is no respecter of persons. But he is a respecter of principles. And when we see something manifesting in somebody else's life that's not manifesting in our life, we can't get an attitude with God or walk around jealous or envious. We just have to recognize maybe they have appropriated a principle that we have violated. It's not because God is respecting them or favoring them over us. It's because they've put a principle into practice in their life that we've not put into our life. Can I get a witness from somebody? God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. And I've been pastoring for a long time. I've been preaching since I was 14 years old. I turned 36 this year. I've dealt with a lot of church people, and I always have church people come up to me and ask me, how do I become everything God's called me to be? I've got all of these prophetic words, and everybody's told me of how great I am, and everybody's prophesied over me and told me I was going to the nations, and I was going to be a world changer. And if you ain't Pentecostal, none of this language means much to you. Just hang in here with me. You'll figure it out. And they've told me that I've got the mantle of Charles Finney. And they've told me I've got the mantle of Smith Wigglesworth. you got so many mantles you can't even breathe. You can't even stand up. And then they want to know, why do I have all of these promises, but none of its fulfillment? It's because it is not the promise that you need to pay attention to. It is the process that you need to pay attention to. It is the principle that you have to appropriate in your life if you ever want the promise to be something more than just a promise. You hearing what I'm saying? God does not respect people, but he does respect principles. If people have more money than you, it might not be because God loves them more. It might be because they budget. I see people with 15 credit cards walking around talking about I got more than enough. Yeah, and and you blew it all. All right? You have to, you have, we do not break God's principles. God's principles break us. You hear what I'm saying? Now, 
I started this entire series because I have talked to a lot of people, and, 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 and it, there seems to be this, this, this ache, this craving down in the heart and soul of people. They want to know, how do I reach my potential? How do I become everything God's called me to become? And I used to think it was a compliment when people would look at me and say, man, you've got so much potential, and now I view it as an insult. Because this is what people mean when they say you have potential. This is what they're really saying. This is who you could be if you would just submit to the process. Hallelujah. We're going to have to teach you how to. We'll have to teach you how we preach down in Alabama. I'm from Alabama. We don't, we don't just stare at each other awkwardly, all right? I talk to you and you talk back to me, all right? Where my black brother at? You know, you know how we get down. I'll, t- I'll get them to turn this into a Hammond B3 organ sound, and we will get after it. <laughs> don't worry yet. The snakes don't come out till after services, though. That's a joke. Breathe. That's a joke. How do I, how do I fulfill? Y'all are like, oh, dang, is he serious? Where are they? <laughs> no, I'm not serious. How do I fulfill? How do I become? How do I get to a place where all of these things God has promised me is no longer just promises, but they become reality? They don't feel like a pipe dream, but it becomes what I wake up in and walk in every single day of my life. How does that happen? I'm so glad that you asked. Now we find our text in Exodus chapter number 28. Let me explain what is happening briefly. God is speaking to the children of Israel, and he is instituting the priesthood. This is the first time God starts instituting an anointing priest over Israel to function in their calling and in their purpose. Now, if you don't know what anointing means, we'll explain that in a minute. Just hang in here and, and roll, with, roll with the punches, all right? If you don't know what it means, fake it, shake your head, wave a hand and say yes, all right? He's anointing them to be priests in his office. He's anointing them by pouring oil on their head all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. When somebody stepped into their calling, they stepped into their calling by somebody pouring oil over their head. That oil represented the empowerment of the Holy Ghost for you to do what you're called to do. So he's pouring oil on their head and God is releasing Aaron and saying, now you get to stand in what I've always called you to be. Now watch, God anoints Aaron, tells him, put on these coats, put on these ephods, put on these breastplates, put all this stuff on, and then I'm going to anoint you to stand in your office. But whenever in the Old Testament you read about Aaron, you never read about Aaron alone. You always read about Aaron and Aaron's sons. Aaron and Aaron's sons. Aaron's sons had been also appointed to the priesthood, but they had not yet been anointed for the priesthood because there is a gap between when you get called and then when you are ready to do what God called you to do. And most people never survive the gap between being appointed for it and then being anointed for it. So God tells them, you're appointed to be the priest, but I haven't anointed you yet. I've called you to it, but I've not released you to it. And everybody in this room, for the most part, a lot of you, you know what God's called you to do, but has he released you into it? As a matter of fact, everybody in this room, God has an appointed time in which he reveals you. He even said in the book of Luke, he said that John the Baptist hid in the desert 
until the day of his showing to Israel. In other words, John was appointed for it living in the desert, but God hadn't anointed him yet. Jesus was the son of God sent to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out devils from the day he was born. But he didn't step into it till he was 30 years old. And John baptizes him. And he hears a voice and a dove come from heaven. And it sits on him. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So watch what happened. God would anoint Aaron. And Aaron would function in his calling. And he had his sons waiting in the wings, ready to step into not their appointment, but their anointing. Are y'all with me so far? Y'all with me so far? Shake your head. Yes, y'all with me so far? This is what would happen. When the oil would get poured on Aaron's head, that God garment would soak up it would be saturated in that anointing when Aaron got ready to pass the mantle pass the anointing to the next generation he took the coat off of him and put it around his son and then his son who was appointed was now anointed for it But in order for him to step into what God had called him to do, he had to stay in alignment with the Father. He had to stay planted in the house of his Father so when it came time, God could release him simply by a Father passing an anointing on to a son. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? I like to say it this way. I call it the law of anointing and authority. The law of anointing and authority. You see it all through the Bible. You cannot function in authority in the kingdom of God. See, everybody, everybody walks around. They, they, they want to have the authority to cast out devils, and they want to have the authority to heal sick people, and they want to have authority talking about speak to the mountain, and it shall be removed, and they want to have authority to walk up to a casket and jerk somebody. I know a lot of people don't believe in this stuff anymore, but I still believe these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. They will speak with new tongues. I still believe that. I still believe Jesus said the works that I do, you're going to do and even greater works than these are you going to do because I'm going to the Father. Okay? So everybody wants the authority to do that, but they don't have the anointing for it. And then other people want to operate in the anointing, but they don't want to be submitted to authority. You cannot step into authority without the anointing because then you become a carnal leader like Saul who spends his life trying to kill the person that God really anointed. But you also can't have the anointing without authority. Anointing without authority is simple rebellion. So in order for you to have authority, you have to have an anointing. But in order for you to have an anointing, you have to be up under authority. Or you have to get planted. You have to have some roots. You have to submit yourself somewhere. Now, let me me make this disclaimer before I go any further. I preached this last week and I said this last week. I am not telling anybody in this place that God's calling you to get planted here. Only you know that and only God knows that. What I am telling you is you got to get planted somewhere. If you want to walk in all of this anointing and all of this authority that all of those prophecies told you were available to you, then you cannot bypass the process of getting placed up under authority, putting some roots down, and letting God process you and turn you into the man or the woman of God that he's called you to be. All right? It's the law of anointing and authority. It's 
I want to step, I want to operate in authority. I want to, I want to be able to speak and chains break off people's lives. I want to be able to lay hands on a little girl that's cutting herself and is struggling with depression and she's 14 years old and she doesn't know if she's a lesbian or if she's straight. We got to have the authority church to speak into that situation and see her life change. But you never get that authority unless you've been anointed by God and you never get that anointing unless you've been planted up under a father. I know Aaron, I know Aaron's sons, I know Nadab, that you were appointed to it. I know you were appointed to it. But are you going to stay in alignment with your father so when the oil starts flowing, you can catch what you were called to catch? Glory be to God. Because all oil does is it just flows down. Oil flows from the head down. That's all it does. It doesn't, and oil's not gonna chase you. You are either in the alignment to catch the anointing or you're out of the alignment to catch the anointing. And it's not gonna chase you around. So I say, I wanna get up under some authority. I wanna get planted in the house of God. Even when I'm discouraged, even when I don't understand everything, even when I disagree with some decisions, I'm gonna get planted right here because God has appointed me for something. And this is how I get anointed for it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Law of authority and anointing. You're like, dang, he shouts a lot. We ain't even got started yet. We're just dipping your toe in the water. The law of authority and anointing. Can we cut that off because I'm about to, I'm about to choke up here in Jesus' name. Law of authority and anointing. I want to show you this. I want you to see this. When Jesus came to the earth, watch this story. Watch this story right here. When Jesus came to the earth, your Bible says in Luke's gospel, chapter number nine, he looks at his disciples and he says, behold, I give you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Why don't we talk like this anymore in church? Is anybody with me? Why are we trying to counsel out stuff you're supposed to cast out? Why are we trying to small group out stuff you got to break off somebody's life? He looks at his disciples. He says, I give you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Mm, don't you just feel that? It just got some bite to it. Give you power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. Can y'all see me? Because I can barely see y'all. We're just going to pretend it's the glory. Look at God. <laughs> this will be great. Watch us set off a smoke alarm. Watch that happen. We had a power outage last week in the middle of worship, and I thought, the only thing worse is if we set the building on fire. Well, we're one step closer, apparently. Jesus looks at him and says, I give you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Luke chapter 9. About 30 verses later, same chapter, same chapter, a dad with a demon-possessed son, not a son that, uh, that uh, wasn't breastfed enough as a child, not a son that didn't have, that wasn't raised with a pacifier or without a pacifier, demon-possessed full of devils, throwing himself into the fire, throwing himself into the water, okay? They didn't make up some medical condition for it. This is the devil. And 
the dad walks up to the disciples. He said, would you please cast them out? He gets fed up with the disciples. He goes to Jesus. He says, I brought my boy to your disciples and said, could you please help a brother out? And they could not cast it out. Watch this. And Jesus responds this way. How long do I have to be here with you? King James says, how long do I have to suffer <laughs> being with you? Bring the boy to me. All right, watch. He had given them in Luke 9, 1, he said, I've given you power over all devils and to cure diseases. Luke 9, verse 40, your Bible says that they tried to operate in that power and could not cast him out. And Jesus, when he found that out, this was his response. How long do I have to be here with you? This is what Jesus is saying. If you would begin to function in the same anointing I'm functioning in, I could leave. Jesus was not on the earth for three and a half years because there's something magical about the number three and a half. It took Jesus three and a half years to train up his disciples and get them to step into the authority and the anointing that he had called them to walk in and become who he was. That, that's, why, that's why in your Bible, before Jesus dies on the cross, your Bible calls Jesus the only begotten Son of God. After Jesus dies on the cross, it no longer calls him the only begotten Son of God. It calls him the first begotten among many brethren. Because now, there's not just one Son of God walking around healing the sick and casting out devils. Now there's 12 sons of God walking around healing the sick, casting out devils. And those sons raise up sons who raise up sons who raise up sons sons who raise up sons. People get planted, people get submitted, people get in alignment, and on and on and on it goes. That's why in John chapter number 17, Jesus is praying, and this is what he says. He says, Father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. He hasn't even died on the cross yet. I thought his sole work was to die on the cross. He said in John 17, I've already finished the work you gave me to do. Because his work was not just to die on the cross. His work was to raise up sons of God. So now he's not the only son of God. That's how he could say, the works that I do, you're going to do. And greater works than these shall you do. That's why the prophet could say, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. Come on, somebody. All because somebody got planted put down roots and said, I'm not going anywhere till God tells me to move because this is part of my process to get me into the promise. I've got to have roots if I'm ever going to have wings. I got to get plugged in and I got to stay there if I'm ever going to have wings. If this journal full of prophetic words is ever going to be reality in my life, I've got to get in alignment with some authority in my life and submit to God's process. You hearing what I'm saying? If you ain't, I can shout louder. How long am I going to have to be there? I've finished the work. Finish the work you gave me to do. I'll watch. With every generation, the glory that is manifested is supposed to double with each generation. So Jesus passes on his anointing, his endowment of power from the Holy Ghost. Jesus passes on that anointing to his disciples and says, the works that I do, you're going to do greater works. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? I promise I'll get you out of here in just a minute. Y'all with me? 
Jesus, Jesus, one son of God passes it on to his disciples. The works that I do, you're going to do greater works than these are you going to do. You know what those disciples were supposed to do? They were supposed to turn around and pass it on to their sons. And so now you don't have one, now you got 12. Now you don't have 12, now you have 70. Those 70 were supposed to raise up sons and say the works that we do, you're going to do. And we're not just doing our works. We're, we're operating in the anointing that came from one generation after another, after another, after another. Then you get all the way down to the book of Acts. And after one generation to another, to another, to another, that anointing keeps transferring. That anointing keeps being imparted. Now in the book of Acts, we read stuff we never read in the Gospels. You read about Peter walking around with shadows healing people. You read about Peter walking, Paul walking around throwing handkerchiefs on people and them getting delivered. Why? Because they are operating in the collective anointing after past generations. And then those sons were supposed to raise up sons. Who raised up sons too? It get, now it gets down to us. And we're supposed to be functioning in generations worth of anointing. What happened? Somewhere along the way, we broke the order by not getting planted and rooted in the house of God. All right. This might offend you. I don't mean for it to. But if you're a church shopper, you'll never fulfill your purpose. Mm, felt that come back. I'm going to give it right back to you. Shop for churches like we shop for cars. Who's got the best kids program? Who's got the best words? Who's got the best lights? Who's got no, no, no? You find out where God told you to get planted. I don't even care if they don't have a kids program. You do Bible stories on the way to church and on the way home. Whatever you find out where God called you to get planted. You find out what house has the anointing you've been waiting to receive. You listen to what I'm saying? Can I show you one more thing? Can I show you one more thing? Grab your Bible. Go with me to. Uh, let's go to Second Kings. Second Kings. Chapter number three. Second Kings chapter number three. Isn't this fun? I'm having fun. Some of y'all look like you're in pain. I'm having fun. Second Kings chapter number three. We'll start reading with verse, let's start reading with verse number four. And Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep master. And rendered unto the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs, a hundred thousand rams with the wool. But it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. King Jehoram went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all of Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Hang in here with me. I know it's, I know it's verbose. Hang in here with me. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab's rebelled against me. Will you go with me against Moab to battle? And he said, let's roll. I am as you are. My people is your people. My horses are your horses. He said, which way are we going to go? Sounds like me trying to put together a battle plan. Which way are we going to go? He answered, the way through the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah and the king of Edom, they fetched a compass of seven days' journey. There was no water for the host and for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, watch verse 11. Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, 
Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Here is Elisha. Let me, let me read verse 11 again. You've got to get this down in your spirit. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet that we can ask him what to do? And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, here's Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, then the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now watch, watch, watch. Look at me. Close your Bible. Just close your Bible. The king's asking, we're about to go to battle. We need a prophet that can give us some insight, that can give us, we need a prophet whose gift we can make a demand on and see if he can give us some prophetic wisdom for this battle. Is there a prophet here? And this is what the king said. Well, we've got Elisha. He poured water on the hands of Elijah. And the king's immediate response is, then I know the word of the Lord's with him. How did you know? Elisha in this text is not being identified. He did not say, now we've got Elisha. He caught some bears out of the woods and they ate some kids. Right? Yeah, that's in your Bible. You're like, what? That's in there. He did not say, here is Elisha. He's raised people from the dead. He did not say, here is Elisha. He has he is, he's healed people. He split the Jordan. He said, here is Elisha. He has been planted up under Elijah. And because he's been in order, now the anointing that was on Elijah, we know that it's on him. This wicked king understood authority and anointing. He understood if he's been up under his authority, then he's been up under his anointing. Now I know that the word of God is with him. That's what Jesus meant. When he said, if you give a cup of cold water to a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. What is a prophet's reward? That means you get to hear like the prophet. That means you get to see like the prophet. That means you get to speak like the prophet. Why? Because you got planted up under that anointing. You got planted up under that authority. And you said, I'm going to receive from you till God tells me to go somewhere else. We need a prophet in the house. We need, we need a prophet in Israel. Is there anybody? Well, all we know is that this, this man right here, he served a prophet. Oh, I know if he served it, then I know now that he's walking in it because that's how the kingdom works. You never get the luxury of operating in an anointing you did not serve and that you did not honor. When I say anointing, I mean that specific endowment of power that God the Holy Spirit gives you to become everything God's called you to be. You can't do what God's called you to do without the anointing. People don't get set free because church is slick and cool and cute. People only get set free if there's an anointing president that can, president that can remove the burden and destroy the yoke. That's how you know you're anointed. Not if people shout, our burdens removed and our yokes destroyed. That's the presence of the anointing. When God uses you, our people's lives changed. I don't mean did they enjoy coming to church. I don't mean did they join a small group. I think all of those things are awesome. We've got groups coming in the summer. I think all of those things are awesome. But at the end of the day, somebody's got to get touched by the power of Almighty God to get their life transformed. And it is up to you and it is up to me to walk up under that authority till God crowns us with an anointing that when God uses us, it can change somebody's life. You hear what I'm saying? 
16-year-old boy who don't know if he's a boy or a girl, what do you think he needs? You think he needs a camping trip? That really what we, what he needs? We think that's what he needs. He's so confused about his sexual orientation. He don't know which way's up. We think he, what, what do we think he needs to, to, ha, to have a lock-in? And I'm not against camping trips. As a matter of fact, I love camping. But it ain't never changed my life. Right? Because when I'm struggling, I don't go camp. When I'm struggling, I go get my on the altar and say, God, you got to kiss me with your fire and with your presence. And I'm not getting up until you do. This is what we're about, man, at Hope Unlimited. If this ain't your cup of tea, I feel you. It's fine. It's fine. If you don't come, you can come back in a year. We're still going to be shouting and throwing stuff and talking about, hey. All right. We're still going to be doing it. Because we've lied to a generation. We've told them the apex of serving God. The apex of serving God is come in, experience 15 to 20 minutes of worship, join a good life-giving small group. And I'm not against any of these things. I'm not. I am all for all of it. I'm all for all of it. I get it. I know church leader. I know the language that you got to have a shallow end of the pool and you got to have a deep end of the pool. And I get all of that. The problem is we've not been taking people to the deep end. We've not been taking people to the deep end because the big tither might not like the deep end or the influential family might not like the deep end. They might not like it, but the little girl who's brokenhearted, who's been molested, she's going to like the deep end, and that's who we're after. Hear what I'm saying? We need a prophet. All I know is there's a man that has been planted. There's a man that put down some roots. And I know the, I know the order enough to know that if you put down roots, you're good, you can turn it up some. If you put down roots, I know God's given him wings. Because that's the order of the kingdom. See, I know these are basic truths, but I think I think we lose sight of it sometimes. We're part of a kingdom. We're part of a king, the kingdom of God. And in that kingdom, there is order. In that kingdom, there are principles. In that kingdom, there is alignment. In that kingdom, there is government. In that kingdom, God says, this is the way, walk in it. There was a real famous celebrity the other day that got up and gave a speech. She talked about speaking your truth. I don't mean no disrespect. But your truth is irrelevant. There is only one truth. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Let me tell you something, man. I am a, I'm, I'm old, I'm, 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 I'm really, I promise you, I'm old school. If you haven't figured that out. We've lost sight in the church of this book. Of this book. This. See, I grew, I grew up in something called, a lot of you might not even know what this is. I grew up in something called the Word of Faith Movement. And yeah, there were some excesses and there were some extremes. 
And there were some people that got off. And I know what you're thinking. Are you part of that prosperity gospel? Well, it's better than the poverty gospel. I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> but I grew up in the Word of Faith movement where this is what we taught people. This is, this is what you heard every day of your life. Get in the Word. Get in this book. People tell me, well, I, I try to read the Bible and it's boring to me. That's because you've been so alienated from it. Take 60 days and get in this book and let God begin to speak to you and you'll be like a crack addict. Right? Have to take another hit before you go to work. My God, I just got to get a verse out of Ephesians. Glory be to God. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. We've lost sight of this. We don't even preach this anymore. There is an order in this book. There is an order to the kingdom of God. And it looks something like this. Those that get planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. There, there's an order in the, in the book. And it's called fathers and sons. Getting submitted and connected to a house and serving there until God says otherwise. 